This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Standard Orbit. My name is Ken Tripp, and we are in Las Vegas. We are here for the 50th anniversary Star Trek convention. And with us today is... Zach Moore. Commodore. Brandon Shea host of Melodic Treks. We thought it would be fun to record here on site and talk about our experience so far and share with you the journey that we've been on here in Las Vegas. It has been a wonderful time. So to kick things off, we are on... It's Saturday... This is the fourth day of the convention. There's one day left, which is usually kind of the wrap-up day. We wanted to talk about some of the guests that we've seen because it has been very um, spread out across all the different franchises, but there was a lot of focus on the original series, and since that's what this show is about, we figured we hit it off there. So what I wanted to ask this esteemed panel is here, what did they think of William Shatner's turn on the stage? So we'll just go around the room, and we'll start with Brandon, and we'll come back around. It was extraordinary. <laughs> keep, keep going. We're live. We got to find time. Fine. We're, we're we're well, alive in, the, in, in some sense of the word, yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought it was okay. I mean, they talked a lot about uh, horses and stuff. So going into it, so Kate Mulgrew and Scott Bakula were also on the stage alone. And they were just up there alone. And the entire time they took questions from the audience. And I wish that William Shatner would have done that. Yes. Because when I was here two years ago, Simon Pegg and Carl Urban did the same thing. They just stood up there and took questions from the audience. And, I mean, I know that there's some silly questions out there. But, I mean, the, the fans are here and they've come a long way to see them. And I don't I don't really want to hear some of the stories that William Shatner's going to tell. I would rather have him talk to the audience. But in honesty, he had a longer Q&A session than most since Bacula's autograph session went long. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, I was wondering, yeah, Shatner, I mean, he, he did his, uh, who was the moderator? Adam? Adam Malin. Yeah, so, you know, I don't think he was necessary. I think Shatner, like you said, Brandon, he could have come out there and done his own thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, because it was longer, like you said, Norm, mm-hmm. because it was longer than usual, I was like, okay, that's fine. It, it's not like, they got a good amount of questions in there. He got more questions in than most people, I feel. So I didn't really have a problem with that. I enjoyed I've seen I've seen Shatner once before uh, with uh, his Shatter's World tour uh, a few years back. And I enjoyed it. And he look, he's 85. And, man, he can tell a story. He can hold an audience. I mean, he's still got it. You know, what do you, you think, Norm? I think for me, um, this is my first Star Trek convention. I know it's 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 weird for me to admit that. And, and, and I know it's probably weird for a lot of people here to hear that because I'm so into Star Trek. But I think that in my experience of watching William Shatner, who's my captain, original series, he's my captain, I know William Shatner's history. I don't really want to have him regurgitate that ad nauseum to the crowd who also... I mean, this is the 50th anniversary, so I want to hear the kind of tales that he just spontaneously told. Talking about quantum string theory and 
the Gorn versus the Gremlin. Love that. Love in the, that. In, in the in the uh, in in the scene where that that kid asked him that question about you know who would win, he said it was like the best question he's ever heard. He's never heard that question posed before. I like it where it's not so Star Trek oriented because you you've seen that from him all this time. I, I liked that he was fast and loose, and I think he was a little scatterbrained sometimes, but I I found it very charming, and I was clinging onto his every word because he's so magnetic. See, I didn't like the string theory thing that he was talking about, about him and... Uh, Mikio Kaku. Yeah. yeah. And... God bless <laughs> <laughs> So, but uh, because it was like, he didn't even know what he was talking about. He was just going, blah, blah, blah. But, and that, then, but that's what and I And the time, and the thing, and the thing, and the time, and the time, and the thing. And it's like, I don't know, I didn't like Well, that. he was playing yeah. off Adam a lot. You know, and I feel like if he, he wasn't there, the other person wasn't there to play off of, he could have been just... You know, more Shatner to the point, answering questions. So I mean, but going back to like the whole uh, in 1986, you know, that was the famous you know, get a life scenario mm-hmm. on, on Saturday Night Live. I didn't want to hear the questions like, "What was the combination on your?" Oh my god! No, when you get fans, that, yeah. that when you have an open mic with fans, it's but like that's you, what happens. <laughs> that that's is what a happens. slippery slope. Yeah, but that's what happens when you have a a star as big as William Shatner unmoderated. You know, the moderator's there to protect him from questions that just go nowhere, mm. right? So I'd rather have him go nowhere than answer a question that goes nowhere. Yeah, I think yeah. nowadays, though, since that episode or that issue with Saturday Night Live, and then he's done a thousand conventions between then and now, he's matured, the audience has matured. Yeah. The audience protects him now because when some person gets up there and ask those, criti- those, those questions. Me. They all boo. It was like, girl. Oh, they boo. They go, no. Season three. Yeah, yeah. They really do. And I and I think that's fine. I, I, I thought Shatner did a, a great job. He had a lot of energy. And, and you know, let's, let's dance around the elephant in the room. There was a lot of controversy on our own network regarding Shatner. And here's the thing that I really enjoyed. One, he came out and he gave the audience a good show and a good insight on things. Two, you got to see who he really is and what he does, okay? I don't like anybody being defined by one comment in their career and this and all this other stuff. He's a good man, very progressive. He's done a lot of charity work. A lot of that was evident. He really loves the fans. He has come 180 since his time when I saw him 25 years ago. And and I thought he, he knocked it out of the park. And, and I was really happy for that because there's certain people you want to win. He's a guy I want to win. I just really, really like him. You know... That actually, that just reminded me of something. I think the one story that he did tell that was on a more serious point is when they had to address the reason why he chose not to go to Leonard's funeral. And that one, that was actually really, that was very poignant and that was kind of made me a little teary-eyed because what he said was the reason why he didn't go is because he was committed to an organization, the Red Cross, to meet with the people who donated to something that would pay forward good deeds and dividends into the future. That's what he wants, that he wants to be able to do something that inspires people to do things that will make the world better. And I think that's how we translated what Leonard would have thought of that same situation. It's like, these people, good deeds are going to outweigh and outlive us as entertainers, he said. You know, but the good deeds are always going to resonate back to when that started and how it has made the world a better place. I think that was very noble of him to say, and I'm glad that there was clarification on that because... The fan community really went up in arms about it. I think that was a great way to explain it, and it made a lot of sense to me, and I'm glad he did it. Yeah, he did a nice job with that. Okay, any any final thoughts on William Shatner before we go on? Well, I think Shatner, I, I just want to say again... Uh, I, I wasn't uh, talking to you, Zach. Uh, I was talking... No, I'm only well, <laughs> Brent, please. That's extraordinary. That's uh, awesome. Extraordinary. Just go, Zach. Yeah, uh, he's on a roll. Well, the thing, the thing with Shatner was, I, I, I really appreciate how he, how he uh, talked to the children, the younger 
people in the in the panel. Uh, Lincoln, uh, in the, yeah, Lincoln. Lincoln. This, young, this young man named Lincoln. I actually posted a clip of his answer uh, to to this kid, a kid named Lincoln. I don't know how old he was, what nine, something like that, give or ten. take. Yeah. And he asked him about like uh, as you referenced earlier, Norm. You know. Who who would win in a fight? You know the Gremlin versus the Gorn, and 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 Shatter like laughed at that question. He's like, I've been, "How old are you? Yeah. I've been doing conventions for fifty years, yeah. and I've never got that question." Uh, but it was uh, wow. <laughs> it, it was the it was, three of you oh. do very good Shatter, <laughs> by the way. Thank you, kid. But there was that whole thing. Uh, didn't didn't Lincoln also ask him about Pokemon Go? Oh yeah, there was another. Yeah, was another, so, another so, so that was a great yeah. question. I posted and I posted the clip of that that Gremlin question because the Nightmare Twenty Thousand Feet is my favorite episode of the, of the Twilight Zone. I think it's a great episode. I love the what? Twilight Zone. Yeah, oh. way better episodes of Twilight well, Zone than that. Well, that, that, fight, that's for we'll fight, have another fight, podcast fight. about that. Oh, Brandon, thank goodness, you. Uh, but but uh, Brandon, you always start every sentence with no. What? <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Nick of Time. Pretty good too. Nick of time. Yeah. Monsters to do on Maple Street. Well, okay. well, we'll get another podcast, right? Uh, so Shatter handled that question very well. And there was another kid that came up there, and uh, he asked Shatter if he played Pokemon Go, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he basically uh, he, he handled it very deftly. But but he said, "Look, play Pokemon Go, do that, but read a book." Yeah. You know. Uh, so so he encouraged you know, reading and stuff, and, and that that's a great message. And I just. Having that deft hand with the younger fans, you know, is real. That's real sweet to see from him. You know, said to, there was that one line though; he kind of snuck in there. It's like, "How do you feel about Captain Kirk being a grandfather?" Uh, yeah. Like, wow, that <laughs> kind of puts it on the perspective. But he's like, "I have a grandchild. I play Pokemon Go with her. I read a book." The other, <laughs> you know? the other piece I liked before we move on was that uh, when it was asked of him if he would be in a role or would be willing to take a role at Captain Kirk. He, is, he has come to grips with the fact he is too old to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just wouldn't work, which I thought was very telling. And, and a great joke about Leonard Nimoy. You know, it's one thing when you go back in time and you still find yourself being old. Yeah. That <laughs> means you're really old. That was a good line. That was a good line. So I, I think that overall his, his show uh, was, was really strong. And like I said, he's a guy you root for. So mm-hmm. uh, the other TOS character or actor that was on stage today was Walter Koenig. Did you all get to see mm-hmm. Walter? I saw Walter. I did not. I did not. I'll listen to you guys for a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, I know you still have opinions, so just feel free to okay. weigh in on, <laughs> on anything, and then we'll just edit you out later. So anyway, just kidding, buddy. <laughs> I know there were two editors I started right here. We're going to be gone. We're no, say what you want. Show. We'll edit it out. No we'll evidence you guys show. are ever here. No. Yeah. Oh, I've done that to Noah many times. Queen of Queens level three. That's, that's right. It's the best part about being editor, and that's why it's like, I don't know if I can give up the rails to to Zach is what he'll do to me. He'll do to me what I did to Norm. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. he went on too long. We need more Ken. <laughs> that never actually happened, but two or three times every episode. Anyway, um, so Walter Koenig, very frail, uh, yeah. stood up the whole time, uh, answered a lot of questions. I thought, and was very, very sincere in his um, in his answers. So, one of the questions I wanted to ask you both was when uh, he brought up on his own the relationship with William Shatner. Yeah. And the conversation that they had had earlier in the day, how that impacted you and what your thoughts were. I, I thought it was great. Basically, what he what he said was, uh, yeah, it wasn't prompted at all. You know, he, he brought it up of his own accord, and he said, look, you know, looking back on things, talking to Bill, you know, making a lot of jokes at his own expense, you know, I, I feel bad for how that's made him feel. You know, us not liking him has made him feel. And, and he, you know, he did preface it by saying, you know what? I feel this way today. I might feel differently tomorrow, but today, here in this moment, I just want to say I, I feel bad about that. And I thought that's that's, that's nice. taking the high road, you yeah. know, because there's a lot, you know, Shatner. We all know, right? Yeah. There's lots of stories about Shatner come out from from 
the cast over the years, and to hear Candy say that because he's been one of the more vocal ones. Mm-hmm. About not it. as bad. Not as bad as the K, of course. And not as bad as Doohan. Not even close. They're the admiral and the commodore of the of that group. Candy would be the the captain, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought that was very, very nice, very a very touching moment of like reconciliation because I think they all realize, look, we're getting older here. Are we gonna like go to our grave with all these, <laughs> these yeah, dramas against each other? Fight. Yeah. So, Norm, your thoughts because I've got a couple. I, I have another question. I'm gonna I want to bounce back to what you said before. What did you mean by frail? Like, how, like when he came out, do you feel like he's just he's. Well, he's, if, he's he's looks just past his age now. Well, or he, he looks, he, oh, no, he looks, no, he's just very delicate. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, delicate. he's he's very thin, and um, he talks, and you really have to listen hard to to hear what he was saying. And he's one of those guys where he's a little younger than Shatner and Michelle, yeah. but not by much. He was thirty two when he made the the show, so he was playing a much younger role or younger younger part. Yeah, he was that old when he was playing Pavel and Caspar? Yeah, he, he, um, he projects... You mean I know something you don't? Yes. <laughs> what? 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 was that old? Yeah, he was in his 30s really? and he was cast as, you know, a young ensign, which would be 21, 22, coming out of the academy in theory. So, yeah, I, I just, I just meant, you know, you, you see that high energy that, that Shatner has and he's still, I mean, at 85... He's, you know, he's, he's a little heavy, but, I mean, he's still bouncing around, very coherent. Same with Koenig. He, he was very much with it. Um, he, had a couple, he had a couple moves out there. Yeah, he was dancing a little bit, and he insisted on standing. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. You know, so, so I, I just meant that, uh, you know, it, it's funny because being on our show and what we watch, we see these guys all the time at a much different time frame. Even, you know, when they were going through midlife, very, very different than today, and and it's 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 something to see, you know, especially Chekhov, who was always a boy. So that's that's what I meant by frail. Well, I think I mean it's a fair point to say that you're right. I think I think when these characters, like you know, when not characters, the actors, you know, when Shatner and when Walter, you know, they when they see that they're in real life, there's got to be a point in time where bygones can be bygones, right? And it's like, why are we? Where's this all that? It's all this coming from? You have your life. This is great. I have my life. This is great. Do we really need to? To bring all this baggage to the table every single time we come to a convention, do we really have to dance around each other, you know, tiptoe on eggshells and all that kind of stuff? Why, why do you do that anymore? And I want to go all the way back to what William Shatner was saying when someone said, you know, uh, Mr. Shatner, I'm your friend. This entire room is, you know, giving you love and support and friendship. And Bill just kind of stopped in his tracks, and he said something really important. And he, and and this maybe goes to, um, I don't know, maybe it's projected, you know, in some way to. Uh, to the ether out there of how people perceive him, he said that actors are lonely. You know, they're lonely people, and he said that he had a hard time trying to connect and make friends. And he says that he has a really interesting point of uh, of, of making relationships and connecting with people. And, and and I just can't imagine like living the type of life these actors have had underneath the microscope of Star Trek fans all these years, and and not having either an identity for themselves, an identity for their friendships, or an identity. Um, for the fans, I mean, they're they're trying to juggle all of these different personalities, and they probably get lost with who they really are sometimes. And I think it's nice for them just to clarify it and say, like, hey, you know what? I think that you know we're in our 80s. We don't have a lot of time left. I think we should spend the time in a more positive manner than just try to try and dance around each other. So I think that's probably maybe where he was coming from. All right. So the question was, okay. uh, just circling back in case because all those points are, are great. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of what Kenny had to say about it, though, personally? When he said that about how he felt about Bill and and so forth, how did that impact you? You you answered it pretty well. I was just curious your thoughts. I don't. I mean, it's uh, 
those are his thoughts. I mean, it's, if, if that's how he feels, that's how he feels. You know what I mean? I, okay. So, right, fine. Uh, what, I, what I took away from that finally was um, some redemptive qualities that haven't existed, which has been very confusing to me over these years because you watch the TNG cast, right? And you just they just have this chemistry and they have a blast with each other. And each one of the TOS people, including George and anyone else, came out all by themselves one at a time. Mm. And, and, you know, it's, it is difficult. And Nichelle, same thing. Nichelle, you know, God bless her, she's really struggling. Um, and, and you could see that. But um, what I took away from it was, I think that for the first time, kind of from what Takei was saying, who just completely joked it off and was completely dishonest in, in his answer, or, or him bringing up about the Shatner rivalry, that it was always Bill doing something when he was ready to promote something. It was 180 degrees the other way many times. He was very dishonest with his answer. And Koenig was the most genuine in his response, saying maybe we took it a little too far. Maybe we used it as a rallying cry, and maybe we were feeling too sorry for ourselves. And I saw him on the Raw Nerve interview. Have mm. you seen that? No, I've not seen that. No. You should download that interview. Okay. That Shat Shatner interviews Walter Koenig. And he, they, the two of them go back and forth on, you know, Shatner's saying, why do people dislike me? And, 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 and Koenig was saying, essentially, Bill, you know, you weren't, um, you weren't there for us. In other words, if there was a line there that could, somebody else could have had, you made sure you got it as the lead and all that stuff. And Koenig's like, and that's fine, that's what you did, but very little emphasis of sticking up for us, where Leonard did that a mm -hmm. lot. And he said, that was a dichotomy. And Bill's like, I never really realized I did that. And it was a very open conversation. Mm -hmm. And this was a few years ago, five or six years ago, maybe yeah. even longer now. So when it comes back to this, what I, what I heard Koenig say is, you know, maybe we just, that, that my interpretation was, we took it too far. Takai has gotten famous off that feud and has made a lot of money off that feud and all his stuff on Howard Stern on that feud and, mm -hmm. and has really torn Shatner apart sometimes. And in his book, if you've read his book, which is a great book, but when it comes to making the movies or whatever, any shot he could take at Shatner right. he did. Canning's book, not the case. Yeah, well, with Decay, it's been almost become a part, like a pillar of his identity. It's like this, this, this. Oh, and he hates yeah. William Shatner, right? Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate because he's a lot of good things to say, mm -hmm. but it just colors everything. I love you know? the guy, but yeah. why do we keep this up? He, he's, Decay is more than that. You know, and but he always comes back to it. I just wish he could let it go because he there's so much more to George Takei than him not liking William Shatner. But when you think of George Takei, that's usually the first thing you think of. Well, why did he flip Shatner. it? Yesterday he flipped yeah. it. He said it was that Bill brings up. It's like yeah. Shatner could care less about bringing it up. His career has been skyrocketing for the last twenty years, skyrocketing, right. and so the only person that gains any publicity out of any kind of fracas or whatever mm -hmm. is George Takei. And he brought it up over his wedding, he brought it up over these things, and, and it's just one after another after another. So for him to get up there and say, oh, Shatner brings it up when he's selling a book. Yeah. Well, when I, when, I, when I got his recent biography, Shatner, he never mentioned George once in any of the interviews I saw. Well, when he's saying stuff like that, you think he, he understands his audience, so he's basically getting moral support from the crowd. You know, if he has something like that. I, I would just, uh, listen, maybe that's how he spins it in his head. I'm not mm -hmm. saying he's, I say it's dishonest from the aspect of if you took the whole thing and you, you take it before, you know, even recently, if you look at who was talking about Star Trek, the original cast and all that other stuff, it was these cast members, right? The, the, other, the other five and, or the other four and the, the little seven. Four, yeah. The little four and yeah. the seven that were always bringing it up. 
I have never once heard Bill Shatner ever once say a bad thing about any of them. Even during the rivalry, he would even say, I, I've got nothing against George. You mm -hmm. know, he's like, he's getting married. He said, great. You know, and he said, I was invited. It was him that brought attention to the wedding saying, well, William Shatner's not coming. And Bill's like, even though I was invited. You know, I mean, yeah. it was like he brought it up. And, and it always, and then they asked Bill second. So I, I thought that it was kind of strange that he, he decided to go down the road. That, and I'm not a Shatner apologist. He'll, he'll admit it too. He did in Movie Memories, if you read that book. Yes, excellent books. Yeah. Excellent book, both Memories and Memories. And in the book, Nichelle Nichols says, hey, I forgot to tell you why we hate you. <laughs> and he put it all in his book. Right. He didn't hide a thing, right? And, you know, he, he understands that he was blinded. People above the line, people below the line, leading this, that, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of it is because Star Trek is unique, that we love the secondary characters as much as we love the main characters. That doesn't exist exactly. in all those other Pe shows. People, people misunderstand the, the dynamics of the original series because, I mean, they look at TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. It's an ensemble cast. It truly is an ensemble cast. You know, it's starring the captain and then everyone else is there. But I, I don't know about TNG. It, it was started off as an ensemble cast, but it did turn into a triumvirate. Well, what they, they picked, I mean, they picked the most popular characters. Like, Data and Worf had a lot of story potential, so they just ran with that. I mean, Riker was second billing, but he got a lot less attention as it went on. So they just kind of went where the stories went with the original series. It was Kirk, you know, and Spock, and then McCoy eventually in the second in the second season onward. And everybody else was, you know, characters, but they they were interchangeable. To be honest, with a little possible exception of Scotty, you know, uh, the Sulu he was and the Chekhov. Were, he was yeah, the soft, the soft big four, right? Yeah. But Sulu and Chekhov were clearly interchangeable. You yeah. know, I mean, that's a <laughs> they weren't in a lot of episodes. Yeah, it, you know, Ohura was largely ignored, and that was very unfortunate because she was pretty much in most every episode right. for the most part. A couple here and there. Every now and then, she get to sing and yeah. highlight. And the they show was like Sulu and Chekhov wanted a week off, or I remember Sulu or George Takei was fine. Green Berets, he went to work on that. Yeah, in all fairness, he wasn't in the first season. You only had. Well, check Walter, off. Check off. Yeah. No, but, no, no. You know, so. But I'm saying, even when they became quote unquote semi regulars, right. they mm -hmm. weren't regular regulars. Somebody else could sit in that seat and it just carried on. Mm -hmm. And then if, if, if George wasn't there, uh, Walter got more lines or vice versa, but they weren't like soliloquies. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't TNG. Like, okay, how many Troy episodes do we have? How many Warp episodes do we have? We need to make sure everybody has a, a decent amount. I'm just wondering like if that. that at all. I'm wondering if that, that might have happened been, if it went on longer. Yeah, I'm wondering yeah, if that would have yeah, been might. different if they actually had if they weren't struggling to survive as a show. Because you got you got to put your you got to put the meat you know where the uh, where it belongs on the people that are driving the numbers for your show, the top three billings. You know, it's like you can't. I don't know. I, also, only three seasons. <clears throat> seven seasons, Deep Space Nine. Seven seasons, Voyage. Right. Seven seasons, Next Generation. Hey, hey you know, and they got seven motion <laughs> pictures. That ain't so bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For some of those guys. But I guess to bring it all back, I, I, I like that about Handy bringing that up. And I, I don't know, maybe the passing of Leonard Nimoy has kind of put things in perspective for everybody. Probably. More so. They, but they've lost a lot. They've, they've already right. lost Jimmy. They've already but, lost But DeForest, DeForest Kelly has been... His, Passed yeah. away for a long time, though. I mean, it's been gosh, fifteen, or seven. I think it's ninety-nine divorced. So, but, but in, in all fairness, I'm just no, saying it's, there should have been other triggers mm, to yeah. solve this thing, and it never got solved. Yeah. yeah. But it, but in all fairness, and I said no disrespect to any of our beloved who have passed away on this show. Okay. Leonard was the pillar. He was. Yeah. You know, so the, the, between those two, between you know Bill and Leonard, Leonard was the one. He was their he was their voice of reason. You know. Well, even even. Uh, Walter was kind enough to say, and I and I had read this too, and other things in um, in in Walter's. I've read all the the biographies. Mm -hmm. Have you read all the biographies? Most of them. You want to be on the show, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 please, please give me a uh, reading list. <laughs> 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 
We're keeping the score, by the way. But anyway, um, I guess wh where I was going is every um, book other than George's complimented Shatner on his directing abilities in Star Trek V. Mm. They said he was, you know, they were all nervous about it, and they said he was unbelievably good yeah. in terms yeah, of right. Right. being encouraging and, and, and positive reinforcement and all this stuff, and they were like, oh boy, this is going to be something, and they... And Walter brought that up yeah, today. today. That was it was something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that analysis there. <laughs> but no, Kanig was funny too. <laughs> I, did, I, didn't ex I didn't expect Kanig. He did a couple of Shatner impressions. I did a couple of Decay impressions telling the story about yeah. how they had been nervous about Shatner directing five, uh, about going into it. And, and Shatner was almost too encouraging and nice and kind of <laughs> that's what made him feel uneasy. It was just funny. I, did, I had not heard that uh, particular story told that way before. Very funny from Canning. And uh, I just felt like, you know, there was a lot of genuineness coming from Canning throughout the whole thing. He talked about uh, he talked about Babylon 5 some, too, which is Norm. I know it's your favorite show, one of my favorite sci-fi shows as well. He yep. he played, uh, you know, by far, uh, Canning's most most notable thing post-Star Trek was being playing Bester on Babylon mm -hmm. 5. So he, he shared some memories about that based off questions people had asked. And, you know, I just, I just really enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed seeing I had never seen Canning in person before. Uh, I'd seen uh, Shatner, I'd seen Takei, I'd never seen Koenig, so that was that was great to see him out, out there. So, funny story, last time I saw Walter Koenig was 1982, The Wrath of Khan had come out, yes, I'm older than all of you by a lot, <laughs> and um, and he had this great t-shirt on, uh, and it said, not tonight, Chekhov, I have an earache. Ah! Uh, <laughs> going up there, and I thought that was that was pretty clever, and he was he was always funny and, and, and good with the crowds. So, in order to pull Brandon back into this, Let's yeah. flip to yesterday. Well, I had a little bit on... I did catch a little bit of Walter Koenig's here. Uh, but before, I just wanted to ask, with okay. you being older than us, did you have running water as a child? No. Oh, okay, good. No. And well, we did have dirt floors. <laughs> we didn't even have air. No. Yeah. Like oxygen air? Or? No, nothing. We, we ate dirt and we were happy. Both, and, uh, we moved both ways. We had to walk both uphill ways. both ways. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did appreciate... So a fan uh, got up and did ask a question about uh, how did uh, Walter feel about them not recasting Anton... Mm. Yeah. That was a pivotal moment. Yes. Uh, yes. So I did catch a little bit. So how did Walter feel about not casting for uh, Star Trek IV? Uh, there'd be no replacement for it. And he said he, uh, he applauds J.J.'s decision for that. And he said that even though you know he didn't know Anton very well, it still hit him pretty hard and it still hurt very hard when, uh, when he died this year. So. Well, he mentioned for personal reasons yeah. because obviously he lost his son mm -hmm. not yeah. that long ago. Well, maybe it's, time goes by. But his son was a he died of depression and suicide, and, and he did say, you know, it hits me harder for personal reasons. Right, that's what he was afraid to. Yeah. The person who asked that question though was way out of line, um, in how he asked it, and it and it sounded like he was plugging for who. So Kanig was on Star Trek: New Voyages. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, he played the the kid who played oh. Chekhov was in that same show, and Kanig was in that episode, played an older version of himself. I had seen the episode. This guy was plugging that kid oh, to be the next check. I had, you know, now that you say it, kid, that makes perfect sense. I hadn't thought about that way. He because kept he bringing it up. He mentions his name. He mentions that. And actually, I really liked that episode. It's a great episode. Wages. I, I liked the guy. That the guy was Chuck using it as a platform to I, try and... He yeah. was advocating. I think he was taking that time. Because, he one, it, was, it wasn't a very tasteful question to ask. Yeah. Do you think they should recast Chekhov with whatever Auntie Scratch name was and... He kept bringing it. Well, he back. didn't say it in, that, in those terms, but now that you mentioned no, it, why, why else? Sort of why else? Why terms. else would he bring it up in that fashion? I inter that's interesting. See, I, I didn't listen that. to the yeah. question. I just listened to the answer. Yeah, he said you uh, played in this episode with this guy who played a young version of you. And by the way, Kanig yeah. answered it as if should they recast it. That was not the question. He was saying right. should they recast it with this guy. 
And he had a whole diatribe on there. And I, I was listening to him ask the question. I was going, this is horrible. There was a little back and forth. Kenny didn't really understand the question. There was a question See, I didn't on, understand. Yeah. When, a, when a fan goes off like that, I usually tune out until I hear the actual question. Right. Because there's times when they go on and on and on. Oh, you did this and this and this and this and this. And then I want to ask you this question. Right. Yeah. So I usually, when I'm here, so I didn't hear that part. And I haven't seen the new boys yet, so I didn't catch that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, to my point earlier, when you, when you give fans an open mic, you know, it's, it's a dangerous... <laughs> Sometimes it can be a loaded gun. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. So, yeah, like I said before, the site. Sometimes I like it. Some when when the actors go unmoderated. Sometimes, like Scott Bakula today, unmoderated amazing and Scott was Bakula. amazing. Yeah. But not everyone has the luxury of, especially when you're older, because when Sally Kellerman and um, Gary Lockwood were on, you have to keep Ooh. asking them questions over and over again. And it's just because they're older, right? No, I'm, I mean, we, we can talk about their panel later if you guys want. But. No, 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 that's no, fine. Not on the show. No, but what, but what, I'm saying, but what I'm saying is as our as our stars get older, they're having a little bit more physical trouble hearing sure. what the questions are. And that becomes a little bit of a, I don't know, kind of like an eyesore, ear sore for the fans who are trying to like get to the next question if that question is belaboring a really irritating point, Yeah, which no, is what you're talking about. Yeah. So. You know, so that's where moderation comes in. Okay, so everybody listen to George's? I did not. I did George's no. as well. I was. Did you do George? Busy. I did not. You didn't do George. I All saw. Right. I saw George last year in Houston. All right. So let so. me let's talk. Let me talk about George. You got to eat sometimes at these conventions, yeah. guys. You yeah. Great. Come, come, what are you talking about? We all, <laughs> food is overrated. Um, I've heard so, George Takei enough. Okay. Well, this was the surprise about George because the last time I saw George, he was very political and he talked for a long time about things that he believes in. No problem with that. Same That's here. not why I come to these conventions, by the way. Um, but at any rate, he didn't do any of that, which I was very impressed mm-hmm. with. He started his conversation uh, remembering all those who passed mm-hmm. and talking about when they, when they had lost them. And uh, I thought it was, it was very touching. Um, he did make that comment about Bill creating the controversy, which was 100% BS, George. <laughs> um, and, then, and then flipped it um, more to what, you know, fans a- asking questions and so forth. And he was quite charming. He talked a lot about his imprisonment in, in, in the Japanese um, camp because it was brought up that somebody had visited the uh, Lake Telecula. I can't say that. Temecula? Name. Temecula, mm-hmm. where, wherever, the, wherever the last prison was. And he talked about that stuff. And all of that stuff to me is extraordinarily fascinating. I'm, I'm deep into history and, and, and those types of events and so forth. When you get it from a personal aspect, you know, that's when I see the George. And I, I want to be very clear that George Takai is a person of great character. I assume very good intent on all things, except for him and Bill. When those two goes on, I just got to turn it off. And it, it was probably, and, and, you know, it was a fan that brought it up, in fairness, not him. He spun it. Uh, but the rest of the conversations were good. He is, um, he's in pretty good shape. He, uh, you know, stood up the whole time. He, he had very good recall, and I thought his, uh, his remembrances were very genuine. He, he missed quite a few, but he kind of hit just the big cast members because there's been so few, so many that we've lost. Yeah. There's a question, because I heard that it was brought up, um, that he may have changed his opinion a little bit on Sulu being gay and beyond. He didn't. He didn't? So no. Did, did he stayed steadfast with... He gave a very, very long explanation, very stubborn, and then actually mocked the scene. Because really, yeah, he mocked the scene. He said, you know, so they made this big deal out of it. He said, and it was a whisper. It was no big deal. If you blinked, you missed it. And all I've heard and seen the movie three times myself, I thought it was a very touching scene. Mm-hmm. There was a lot going on in that movie. They weren't trying to make it a controversial no. gay character moment. They were just trying to make it a nice family moment that with a person who happened to be gay. Right. And they did it well. So he he defended his position. He went on a long diatribe with. 
um, discussing that uh, 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 first John Cho reached out to him, told him the thing, and then he said, this is, you know, Roddenberry wanted it this way, this way, and this way. We're not going to do it. And he said, then he got a call just before they were premiering the movie or an email from John or whoever and said that, hey, you know, we did this. He said, oh, he was shocked that they did it, even though he said months and months ago, I'm, I'm not really in agreement with this. Um, and then he, then Simon Pegg sent him a note, you know, going back and forth. And Simon Pegg had sent that in one of his interviews as well. So he was consistent in what he said. Um, then he, he said, you know, one, he, he didn't change his position. And two, he mocked the scene, which I thought was very... Um, I, I was that was his right in his opinion. I'm not saying his his opinions wrong or right. I just I had wished that if he had seen it like the rest of us and said he because I think part of it was he didn't like the fact that they did that with his character. His explanation went on a long time as to why. I'm not even saying that's wrong. It's probably right. Um, but the other part was you know the scene itself. He said like this is their big. You know, I was like, eh, well, I feel like it was the the moment was in the film was undercut by all the drama that had preceded it. Like mm -hmm. like if we had, if there hadn't been all this back and forth conversation and people all these people expecting like oh how's it going to play out in the film it just would have been a moment it would have passed it wouldn't be a big deal but all all the hoopla leading up to it is what undercut it. And, and yeah, I agree. I think that if that scene was just left alone by the social media focus on it when all that information was leaked. It would have been a, a great scene. I mean, it would have been a great scene. It, it would have really done. Really, technically, wasn't leaked. I'm not like what I'm saying is leaked, but it was. It was in the social media. It's a point of conversation you know, before the film. No, it was a point of conversation when it premiered in Australia before it came to the U.S. So it was yeah. out there, and if you, you know th those two weeks leading up to that's when everything mm -hmm. kind of exploded. Yeah. And and they were like, oh, Sulu's a gay character, and then it took off on its own. So yeah. in fairness, it wasn't like they were trumpeting this. They could have said this six months ago or during the last well the first teaser that came out before the force awakens you know that this is a very star trek movie they were trying to get their arms around it and as they were trying to explain that it was a star trek movie don't be fooled by the teaser they could have said something like and sulu's gay and we're you know we are embracing progressive why thought process why even bring it up well that's my point you know? they they that's, yeah. that's my exact yeah. point they didn't bring it up they weren't using this as a point of selling the movie, it came out when the movie premiered. It just premiered someplace else. Which I'm sick of these movies premiering in other countries. <laughs> that would solve the problem. Premiered here first. I Let me rephrase that. I just yeah. think it, I think it spun out of control where it really didn't. I, I agree. Yes. Totally. You know, because like my friend, so Todd goes. But as all things that spin out of control, who was the one who spun it out of control? I, I see your point. Yeah. George Takei. I don't He's think the so. one. No, he was the I one. I disagree. With after that. it oh, came out, I oh yeah, disagree. after the story came, broke, who was the first guy out there saying he disagreed with it, and that started the controversy. Yeah, didn't you say no. that? But didn't you say that they contacted him earlier before the premiere to they see did. if they got his blessing? So why no, contact no, no, him no, at no. all? They no. weren't contacting to get his blessing. They were letting him know. Well, why? It's not because his... John Cho thought it was special and nice. But, but it's not John Cho's movie. Why? Because he respects yeah, but it's, well, the irony is the irony is. I understand. No, and they were trying to do something. Nice I understand for that, but he does not speak for the movie. Justin Lin speaks for the movie. That's right. So George Takei. But Simon Pegg speaks for the movie. This, as well. After yeah. the story broke, after the story broke, Sulu's a gay character. What's the first thing the media is going to do? Go They're going to go to George Takei, of course, the right. gay actor who played him, and say, "Isn't this great?" And what does George say? No, I disagree well, with it. They, 
That's not wrong that he said that because he had said it six months ago in private. So now he made it public. And that's when things got really ramped up and the story started. No, I disagree because we heard this. Like, I'll tell you, because I saw the controversy the day before online and there was people with hate this, hate that, like, and, you know, gay bashing online and everything about this. I know that stuff, yeah. I saw all that stuff on Facebook. And it was the next day in the afternoon, I think it was, that I saw George Takei's response. Right. He responded to later. the story. Yeah. It was later, though. So it was already blown out of proportion before they ta- contacted George Takei. So, well, I just think it kept the story rolling, that's all. I know, but either way, though... I'm not like, saying he did anything wrong, by the way. He was yeah. just being honest. Take all that out of context. Take all that out of the situation. It was a really nicely done scene. And one of my favorite parts of that scene, not just the interaction that he had with Doug Jung, because that was Doug Jung, you know, and... Co-writer. You know, yeah. Co-writer. But it's when they when they reverse shot, cut back to Kirk, and he just smiled. He's like, this is my crew. I brought him back home. They're alive. They get to see their family. Yeah. You know? So, I'm relatively new to social media as well. And, I mean, had I not known going into that movie, like, I don't know a lot about, you know, you know LGBT issues and things like that. I don't, I don't know a lot about that stuff. I lead a very sheltered life. Had I just watched that movie, I don't think I would have picked up that he was gay. Seeing an Asian guy and an Asian guy, I probably would have just thought it was his brother or his cousin that was taking care of his daughter while he was out in space. Well, the whole thumbing of the back was more... Oh, so I didn't even notice that, right? So I didn't notice that close. But I'm just saying that had the controversy not been there, I may have even missed that scene going into it as a heterosexual male... Right, I, I that is not well versed in LGBT issues. I, I could have completely missed it. Could have gone over my head, it's which is fine. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, and that's the whole point of that scene. Yeah. It right. doesn't matter. Right, right, right. It's just a nice thing. I, I would have picked up on it because my familiarity with George Takei, and I would have said, "Oh, this is this is how they are paying respect mm-hmm. to him." That's and that was what Simon Pegg's that's, intent was. That's the irony the of this entire thing. Yeah. That's right. And he yeah. wanted to do something special for George and recognize him, make you know, make a, a sort of a statement out there and just say, "Hey, this is all inclusive now." Mm-hmm. You know, we finally it was the one area of Star Trek that had not been touched. Mm. And they touched it in a very nice way. And it could have meant anything for anybody. Like to compare it to something else that's like a a fan thing is like was Will was Deckard or was he not a replicant in Blade Runner, right? And it's like to your own intention. Now we're gonna have to go to blows. <laughs> was he or was he not? So that's well, he's gonna be in Blade Runner too. So, so I guess not because he would have been dead by now. But anyway, that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's, we, let's, 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 let's wrap it because we're going long here and, and we've we've got some partying to do. Um, well, one last thing before we wrap it up is uh, Nichelle Nichols had had a tribute to Nichelle Nichols. And that was, she didn't really, it wasn't like a, like a panel or anything like that. She came out there, they, they talked about what she had done uh, for Star Trek and for, you know, civil rights and things like that. And Nichelle, Nichelle's getting up there, she had a stroke recently, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, you know, beautiful as always, very sweet, but clearly very frail. And um, it just, uh, they were asking her some questions and, and she would get kind of in a track, you know, where mm-hmm. she, she would talk about a certain, a certain story and then, you know, a couple, a few minutes would go by, and they'd ask her something else, and she would come back around to that story, and uh, just on that same track, and this happened, gosh, I want to say, like, three or four times, we always got the same story about four times, yeah, uh, she, she was talking about how she had helped recruit for NASA, and a great story, you know, what needs to be told, but it was just kind of, it's uncomfortable to see, you know, because you hate to see, because, you know, I've noticed this in my own grandparents, that they've gotten mm-hmm. older and passed away, you know, when they get near the end of life, and the, uh, the mind isn't quite working on all cylinders as it used to. You you, you get you telling a certain story and you get stuck on a track and you come back to that. And um, even when they opened it up for audience questions, the uh, moderator Adam he said, "Hey, look guys, 
uh, if you could, if you could not ask questions of Michelle, but just rather comment, you know, tell her how much you appreciate her and love her, that would be great. And obviously, they were trying to you know preempt that. And and Adam was there, you know, helping trying to move things along and moderate things. But uh, it was I, I think you know it's great to see Michelle at these conventions, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's great to have her out there. She can take pictures, sign autographs, you know, shake hands with fans in the, in the hallway and whatnot. But I think the time has come to take her off of the off the limelight. To be honest, well, God bless her. I mean, she had she had a stroke. And yeah. um, she, she's recovered nice, and she's a very handsome, wonderful woman. Yes, and, and you see her, and you watch her, and you're right, I feel the same way you do. I did catch the, the last part, and uh, the stories just kept going, and I just was like you, Zach. You just like, you know what? You want somebody to, to go out with dignity, mm-hmm. and she looks phenomenal, of mm-hmm. course. But her faculties, yeah, she's, she's struggling. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think it's time where if she was there to, to wave and say hello and... Uh, even today, she was out there all day signing mm-hmm. autographs. Yeah. So she's a warrior. Yeah. You know, she yeah. she just keeps going. And yeah, it, it it is it is a it is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Now I had the absolute honor that I got to sit down with her for five minutes today and talk to her about her music career. And I don't want to talk too much about that because you have to listen to a lot of tracks in a few tracks. Darn it! <laughs> but um, it was an absolute honor. And I mean, like she's one of the few living people who's worked with Duke Ellington. You know, she just had an album come out a couple of years ago. You know, she's still singing. And, you know, I think it was... I, I like to think that I saw in her eyes something special when I was talking to her because, to me, I, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but somebody was asking her something different than she probably hears a lot. Sure. Right? And she seemed kind of excited and was like, you know, she didn't repeat herself. That's great. Right? She did forget a couple things, and, and her, her handler was there to prompt her. Like I, I said, are you working on anything right now? And he said, she said no, and he said, well, yeah, you're doing this movie. And um, and she couldn't remember the name of her album. But, I mean, for other than that, I only spent about five minutes with her because I didn't want to take too much of her time because I know she's having trouble. But, yeah, and not everybody's William Shatner. Everyone's going to be as yeah. vibrant as ever when they're 85. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the exception to the yeah. rules. So you can't expect that from all the cast members. And we've been very fortunate to see, you know, uh, George K., same way. He's very vibrant, very active, you know. Uh, so with Michelle, you know, that's just when people age... That's what happens, you know. I mean, it's just part of part of life, right? I, I think what what's special is Brandon is. Um, I'll be very uh, looking forward to it, and we can plug melodic tracks heavy on this show because we're all huge fans, and mm-hmm. um, and as we've all got to know each other during this this trip together, one thing that Brandon has a, an incredible talent of doing is securing talent. He's interviewed a ton of people, so his shows are going to be outstanding. But circling back to Nichelle Nichols. Um, you know, your your interview may be something that um, becomes uh, a, a very important piece of Star Trek history because you interviewed her talking about something very different. You got her in a, in, a, in a place and time where, you know, she's struggling to keep up with things, but you got enough information out of it, and it sounds like it was really sensitive and really wonderful. So, one, I'm really looking forward to listening to it, but two, cherish that moment you had with her because... There's no fans out there that just did what you did. Yeah. Went in another direction and got to pull some memories back out of her that were, were really special. So really well done on that's that. That's what you yeah. saw. When you said you saw that moment yeah. behind her eyes, mm-hmm. that's what you saw. She was recalling a different time. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm very honored to have had that time. And I, yeah, I will cherish that forever. It's wonderful. And, you know, I, I see this a lot, too. When, uh, when, when there are special moments, sometimes, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how you edit that show. But... Uh, Hopefully that, that ending will, will speak for itself. Excellent, yeah. So what I'd like to do is go around the table one last time and ask this question of you. Uh, taking it out of just the TOS, who did you think had, had the best panel and 
what was the best and where was there opportunity for improvement for Las Vegas next year? We'll start with you, Brandon. So this is my third convention, and I personally was a little disappointed in this convention. Really? Yeah. So they added the extra day, mm-hmm. and they didn't start it until like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's a whole, for all the people that came here, that's a whole extra day of hotel and food and everything that you need to have. Can I ask right? an amplifying question? Did the, um, since I wasn't here last year, what was it, four days last year or three? Yeah, four. four. Just one day. So was there a difference in the price of admission for any of the packages versus last year too? I it was a little more expensive. Because yeah. of that extra day yeah. as well. So yeah. everything you just added, the food, the plane yeah. and all that. Yeah, okay. okay. Not right. much more, not drastically out. more, but like a few bucks more. Okay. And uh, the, um, the panels, right, they have split everybody up. So, in my opinion, we got less panels. Yes, we got more, more concentrated time with people, but I mean, the previous conventions that I've been to, we had almost the entire Voyager cast sitting on the stage at one time. Listening to them was, I was howling listening to them. They're hilarious to listen to all together. And almost, and, and the entire Next Generation cast was together at the one I went to as well. And so in this one here, when, they divided When up. you say when you went to, is it? Two years it, ago. Here. 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 Two oh, years so ago. So it was a, a creation. It was a creation. Yeah. Okay. 48th anniversary of Star okay. Trek. Because I want apples yeah. and apples. Yeah, so yeah. two years ago. You know, creation. And like all the next generation was on at once, and to this time, um, there was like three of the next generation cast oh, together, yeah. and three of the to, next to generation various cast. levels of success, I would feel. Yeah. Right, and the original, and then all the captains, they they were all on individually, mm-hmm. and again, they, they which is nice, right? But again, the previous time they put them together, so, and so there was four days packed. Last time I was here, and here there was five days spaced out, and the panels weren't full on stage, and they had. This Mac, I understand the Mac is a sponsor here, but that Mac was on stage twice, just doing makeup demonstrations. You know, they got some great guests. The Whoopi Goldberg panel was the best. Agreed. Like, listening to Whoopi Goldberg, she's never been to a Star Trek convention before. That was, uh, you know what, that's probably worth the price of the whole freaking convention right there, was listening to Whoopi Goldberg. That was amazing, you know. But, and Christy Alley's never been to a convention before, right? But... On the whole, I was disappointed with this convention. They had that, again, that huge Mac display right in the middle of the vendor's room, which mm-hmm. took up like 25% of the vendor's room. I understand that they're a sponsor of it, but all of the celebrities were pushed into one noisy room to do their autographs because there was no room for them in the main area this time. Oh. You know, and they used to all be in the main area. Were they? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it did feel kind of oddly distributed. I someone who had been here before. Yeah, that was different. So I didn't really like that. And, uh, you know, the vendors were pushed. I don't know if you saw them across the vendors room. Mm -hmm. They were in those little rooms. Those little rooms used to be used for the special autograph sessions in previous years for the gold patrons. And so vendors were pushed out of the vendors room into those other little rooms. an overflow room. An overflow room. Yeah. And that overflow was never necessary before. Interesting. In previous years. So So that's the bad stuff. But the good stuff. The good stuff. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's <laughs> panel was outstanding. I can't believe it. Um, you know, there's going to be a symphony tonight coming up in a little bit. Which we are uh, going to. Which we're all going to. <laughs> Jay Chataway is going to be guest conducting. I can't wait for that. If I pass out, you know, somebody bring some smelling salts, please, just in case. Um, that Damn was, right, because we can't carry you out. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so everybody learned how big I am. Like, Brandon, a single person. He's a bear of a man. Yeah. It was just <laughs> I'm six foot six, and every single member of Trek FM that I met was so like, you're the way bigger. There's a, there's a scene in Beauty and the Beast where Beast puts out his hand and Belle puts her hand into his hand. That is us right now yeah. shaking hands with Brandon. Except Belle's hand was bigger than in my in the Norman would be in my hand right now. <laughs> so my hand's up. But 
Can you guys stop holding hands and carry on? <laughs> I think it's radio and not TV. <laughs> um, so that was absolutely outstanding. I mean, listening to uh, uh, Scott Bakula today was a really mm -hmm. cool panel yes, as well. I really yes. enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, on the whole, like, it was an outstanding weekend, and there was a couple of great things, but I think it wasn't as good as previous years. So. Well, I'm going to come at it from a point of this is my first convention, a creation convention. I've been to Comic-Con, I've been to Kamikaze, I've been to a lot of those different comic conventions, but I'm, I'm coming at it from a completely different perspective. Um, you've probably heard that I haven't been to all the panels. I'm not a panel-sitting guy. I don't like sitting down listening to panels. That's not me. I like walking around and shaking hands with people and hugging people and meeting people. That's me. I came here to meet people. And I thought the social scene here was fantastic. I think that the flow of the way things were organized was really good. Quark's bar is amazing. The, one of the coolest things was I said to um, Vic, Vic Mignona and uh, Michelle Speck, I'm like, I'm gonna see a Quark's bar later, let's go grab a drink. I said Quark's bar, like, and go drinking. That's good. That's awesome, right, out loud. So, and just being able to see the costumes and, and the care that people took in their cosplay and the pride that they have in wearing their, you know, the, the uniforms and all the different segments that are being represented. It's, it's like the giant, the most giant 602 club ever. You know, because you'll see the Monster Maroon guys and you'll see the first contact costumes. You'll see the TOSers. You'll see one really handsome Asian guy wearing the Tantalus jumpsuit <laughs> that has made the most indelible mark on this convention ever. And yeah, you can't tell that's Norman. Yeah. He's not lying. He's, I was walking with him and the Okuda stopped and, and asked to take a picture of Norm. Right? Single-handedly, yeah. the, 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 the coolest moment, the, uh, moment for me ever. But yeah. that I, I can understand why... the. The panels really didn't make any sense to me why they were split up because mm -hmm. every single thing that I've seen before in like these conventions, you always have like the seven eight cast yeah. members. Whoever's together. there, yeah. Yeah. So I can see why it didn't make sense logistically that way. But for the amount of people that I've met, the networking that I've done, the friends that are new, the friends that are old, the Trek FM people that I've met, all of that has been just straight up aces. And then the, the icing on the cake was walking around um, the convention hall and then somebody like from behind said hey man can I take your picture and it was Michael Kuda and Denise Kuda and I said of course you can and he's like that's the he goes, we love the costume you don't see that costume anywhere and he put his hand out he reached his hand out and he goes I, I know Mike I know who you are you know but he was really nice they talked about um, we have something special to talk to you guys about pretty soon and I go what's that and he's like well it has something to do with the vault the vault blu-ray but I can't really you know I can't really say anything about it right now it's tomorrow which is today. So um, that was really nice. And the other great moment, and I was sitting at the American Bar and Grill having a drink, and then some guy walks up to me, kind of like pats me on the shoulder, and he goes, nice costume. And it's Doug Drexler. <laughs> and I go, hi, Doug. <laughs> and he goes, wow, I haven't seen that one around. So there, there, there have been very special moments for me overall for this convention. I think it's been a blast. I think that there has been a lot of great spirit as the 50th is, I mean, there's that giant 50th logo. Everyone has seen that logo in the merchandising. Kevin, Ken, you're wearing the pin. Well, that's yeah. because I'm 50. Oh, oh that's <laughs> what that means. Yeah. Oh, this is my star. 50th year, yeah. You mean oh. this is for something? I thought this, okay. this is not like a 27 for some of you guys or 30 or... We have guests in the room that are wearing T-shirts that have the 50th logo, you know, Ooh. and the 50th pin. Um, no, I think it's like energy-wise, it's been exactly what I wanted. And I was able to bring my best friend along, and he's never been to anything like this. And I think the one cool thing he said about this convention was, I can't believe how nice the people are and how approachable and sociable they are. And then when you get into deep, deep, deep discussions, how you're having discussions 
and not having these combative conversations that you have on social media, that was the biggest thing for me. You can talk to people here and you can actually get your point across. They can get their point across back and you can walk away respecting each other's viewpoints. That's what this is all about. That's why it was a win for me. I want to add one thing that I forgot to mention to you. Yeah. So I was walking down the hall and I'm doing a special podcast where I was asking people in the hallway if there's any special memories they have for Star Trek music and uh, if they wanted to talk about it. And I just randomly stopped this person. I'm like, can I bother you and ask you this question? And I asked this person and she's like, well, I don't know much about the Star Trek music. I said, well, that's okay. Is there any episodes that you know that have a special place in your heart because of the music? And she's like, well, the one that I was in. And I'm like, what? What? And she says, yeah, I was, I was in What Are Little Girls Made Of? And I look at her, I'm like, did you play Andrea? So Sherry, J- I, actually, I accidentally stopped Sherry Jackson so in the hallway. So, so, so I actually, I've got a recording of her. I said, well, why don't you say that? And she says, hi, I, I don't know much about the Star Trek music, but I know that I, the episode that I was in, What Are Little Girls Made Of, I really like that music because it was for me, Andrea. You stopped so, Sherry Jackson in the hallway. Yeah, and I didn't recognize her the, at first. The number so. one girl on TOS, oh, yeah. I say so myself. <laughs> Very jealous, Brandon. So... Um, so yeah, as for me, I, I this is my first convention here at the well, Star Trek Las Vegas. I've been much like you, Norm. I've been to Comic Con. I've been to other little comic conventions and whatnot. Uh, my first creation Star Trek convention, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a win. It's in the win column for me. I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, the panels were great. I really enjoyed Whoopi Goldberg's. I felt like if I had to like, what's the one panel that you could not leave here without mm-hmm. seeing? I would totally say Whoopi Goldberg. Her first convention appearance. You know, she was Whoopi. She was herself. She had a lot of fun. But she, you know, she also has a lot of reverence for Star Trek because she's been a fan her entire life. That's why she's on the show. Uh, Christy Alley. You know, I. You know, this is the TOS podcast here, right? Rathacon. Uh, this is her first convention appearance. You know, I had no idea what to expect from Christy Alley. I've never heard her talk about Star Trek at all. And she was delightful. She was having fun out there. She could. She was really engaging with fans, answering questions, laughing, having a good time. She said, uh, uh, somebody asked her, you know, how, how it was being her first convention. She says, you know, it's a lot cooler than I thought it'd be, <laughs> which is a fun response. And she said she was looking forward to do more in the future, which is great. So we'll get more, hear more from Christy Alley. And um, I really love Scott Bakula, you know, today. He was great. You know, you know just, 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 it was great seeing all the panels and stuff like that. But also, to your point, Norm, uh, even better than that has been hanging out with all you guys, getting to put faces to name. Well, no, in this, we, we say put a name to a face, but it's beyond that on the internet. But just put yeah. a person to person. It's yeah. an extra level. So we all feel like we're a lot closer and we're better friends here now. Uh, from hanging out, you know, talking late, uh, drinking late, you know, <laughs> podcasting late, all that good stuff. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, because, you know, I'm relatively new to the network. So, so meeting everybody this way has been it's been a great uh, 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 rite of passage into becoming a member of the Trek FM family. So that was awesome. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I can't I can't say I'll come back you know, like on a regular basis. Cause some people say, oh, once you go once, you have to go every year. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll go that far. But I, uh, I definitely was something I would want to do again, just just for anything else, just for the for the camaraderie and everything. And I got I got to meet Scott Mance in the hallway, one of the. Uh, one of the uh, 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 moderators, and he holy I, smokes did Zach freak out when he met Scott Mans. Uh, Scott Mans and Mick Vinaga as well. So, yeah. uh, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you were there. Oh, yeah, you got glass broke. Yeah, you got star <laughs> squealed so I was, loudly. I was glass keeping my cool so well. But Scott Mance, I've been a fan of Scott Mance. Uh, I mean, he's on Access Hollywood, but he's also on. Uh, he appears on uh, Screen Junkies Movie Fights a lot, and uh, I've been a big fan of that show. Just and his enthusiasm is just it's so. Uh, contagious, you know. He, he like that is not an act. Scott Mance is just so excited to be here. He's such a big fan. That was great. Uh, Sugar Hand, you know, uh, talked about you know stuff and, and for a while. And I mean, Vic Mignogna from from Star Trek Continues, which I love Star Trek Continues. That was so great. Uh, I saw Chris doing. He's like, "Oh, Captain Kirk's up here. Come up and meet him." I was like, "Oh, excuse me, Mignogna." You know, we, we took pictures and stuff. So that kind of stuff, man. That that is intangible stuff that you yeah. cannot get anywhere else. Uh, so uh, overall, yeah, huge win. You know, yes, there are some things that could have been better. I feel like sometimes like the uh, 
rolling the video clips and getting the audio up and that kind of stuff in the panels was a little hit or miss. But that's just all nitpicking, and uh, I would definitely attend again in the future. Maybe not next year, but again in the future sometime. Those are all good stories, and I think I'm aligned with, with everything you guys are saying. I, uh, I think it starts first and foremost for the people. And, and I haven't been to a lot of conventions recently. When I was uh, 25 years ago, when I was 25, and, and <laughs> great going below, that um, I used to go to conventions a lot. This was really even before Next Generation had taken off. So I was really in, ensconced in it, and there was... Um, it, the conventions were actually bigger. I mean, like this size more often. It takes like these these annual events to get them to the size they used to be because we didn't have a lot of Star Trek back then. There wasn't all these series, and so in Boston we go to the convent the Heinz Convention Center, and that would be ten thousand people easy, and they were back every year. So you know, there, there's been some some um, dilution in the amount of people that used to go to these things and now I think it's starting to come back up again but it brings back a lot of good memories for me it was fun to come here with with my son and my daughter it was my son's first time my daughter went to one four years ago down in Memphis and we had a nice time I think that um, a couple of things that strike me is when I first get into a Star Trek convention and I just kind of look around um, you see um, just a very a diverse slate of people um, with you know, all different uh, backgrounds, age groups. I mean, you saw great-grandfathers. Don't call me a grandfather, Brendan. I know that's where you're going. I'm not. Um, but uh, all the other... <laughs> these, these older people, and you see a lot of youth. You see you see people that you can tell are struggling. You see people that have um, some, some, some real struggles, um, you know, in, in wheelchairs and paraplegics and young children. Um, and to me, I, I get very emotional uh, when I see all that. And I... And I tweeted out the other day, and Creation, Creation picked up on it. I said, you know, it, it's nice to come to a place where all, in capital letters, are welcome. And they very truly true. are here. Yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, I, I, I know in, in the real world sometimes uh, you can get caught up in your, in, in especially today's world where um, there's no inner monologue anymore and everybody on Facebook's ready to trash you for what you think and, and, and judge you and all this other stuff. Uh, it, it was a nice break from from that world and getting back into the Star Trek world, and and that's why I got into Star Trek originally. Uh, the the shows and everything are what make it fun. The people, like you say, Norm, is what is what really does it for me. And and I could sit there and I could see some of these people that uh, you know, or even some of the cast members. In, in uh, Whoopi was great. Neil McDonough to me was the best. He was just. And I'm not saying it because Jesse's from Boston, but he's from Boston. But he was the best. He was very emotional. Um, he would go down and talk to the kids when they'd ask questions and bring them up on stage. And he cried a couple of times talking about his blessings and fortune and how much he loved his wife. And, uh, you know, he had a very small role in Star Trek, but it catapulted. He's probably, arguably, uh, next to Kirstie Alley and Whoopi Goldberg, the most successful, you know, Scott Black was there, but in terms of movies, Neil yeah, McDonough's big. Mar Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, he's in he's that. He was big, he's in Arrow last yeah. season. And, he's and, all the place. But, Hawk. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, he was extraordinarily humble. But again, it was interaction with the people. Mm. And I think coming here and, and just meeting all of you and, and the rest of the Trek FM team was, was really special because that'll never happen again in terms of, you know, there can only be a first time once. Right. And, and, and it was something that, that I'll always cherish. And, 
and meeting a lot of the people that listen to us, you know, Greg and Amy and, and, and the rest. Of, to me, it's it's very. Some of them great. actually even want to talk to us. Sometimes, yeah. yeah sometimes, on occasion, yeah. if you have enough drinks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, boy, it got expensive. Anyway, <laughs> um, so that th- those were the things that 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 really touched my heart, and uh, I'm I'm becoming a real softy ever since I got out of the service years ago, I guess. Um, so that 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 was that was the most important thing. The, the things that, that that could be improved for sure is one. There should be a warning sign that um, if you're going to wear sandals, and I wear sandals all the time in the summer, um, you should probably wear steel-toed shows, shoes to these shows. Um, there are an enormous, uh, an enormous number of scooters mm-hmm. everywhere, mm-hmm. and there are some people that definitely need it, and some you just go, oh, come on, um, because we can't you, a lot of traffic jams. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other thing was... Uh, the, as you said, the panels and so forth. I think overall they, they did a pretty good job. But there was a lot of self-loving by the creation company. Mm. Was it Adam and what's the other guy's name? I didn't go to that panel. So I don't no, 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 <laughs> not a panel. He was like a co-host all the time. No, and I know. He's his partner. Yeah. He does the bidding. They were up there. It was a yeah, love fest Lots of them. sales pitches. All yeah. the, lots of sales mm. pitches, but they did it. Actually, I was waiting for one panel, and they're up there talking about how they've been doing this for 45 years, and and CBS comes up and gives them this and that, and it was just all this self-absorbent crap, which is exactly what I hate about things like that. Stay in the background. You produce this. Let us enjoy Star Trek. It isn't about your personal accomplishments, and that's Hollywood. Yeah, a lot and of self yeah, yeah, and that's why I hate Hollywood, because of the ego and the thing, and the, that. it's like, oh, just stop and just get up there. You're you're all multimillionaires because we're here. It's it's a very you know commercial enterprise. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get in the background. Ah, enterprise. You got it. You just yes. got it. <laughs> you put that on timer, people. Play that back. Put that on timer. <laughs> okay. So that that was probably the, the one of the big improvements would be is uh, more background, less less upfront talking about how awesome you are and uh, and how awesome even you like Mance. You know, the way they fawn over him in about 27 different panels. I was like, enough, enough, enough. Just get on to the show. <laughs> uh, those are, That's not why we're here. We're not here to see you at all. Um, you're here because we paid you money to be here to put the show on. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's my final take on that. One of the things I wanted to also bring up is I wanted to thank everyone on Trek FM, especially our friends who put on the Bridgemates panel. Yes, yes. was fantastic because there's a lot of work that had to go into that. Uh, Aaron, you did a great job with all the logo work. I mean, Phil, you put that entire PowerPoint presentation that worked almost 90% of the time when you did a great job. But you get to host that, and then, you, you know, Darren, you're doing all the IT for it. You guys did a great job in, in pushing that and getting this into that uh, for Trek FM for the 50th, and that was a great win for us as a network. So there were a lot of fans there. There was a lot of support. That's where we got to shake hands with a lot of people, and it was a lot of fun. I think you, I'm, the only person who I think that actually got every question right was Zach. Yeah. But he wasn't participating. He was sitting there. I have, I have it. Uh, Zach and Brandon, these yeah. guys are, uh, you know, how many how many contests did you win, Brandon? Two. I got second place in one. So there was a private one with Larry Namachek and uh, John Champion and a few other people, and and uh, I got second place. Now, I got 23 points out of 28, and I was doing it alone. <laughs> the team that beat me got 24 out of 20, and there were six people on the team. So That's my boy. And then uh, there was uh, the Quizards one where, yeah, I, Quizards, where yeah. you had to do it, and I won. And then you, you didn't win any prize for winning the first time. It just let you go to the next round. And I got first place, so I want a shirt and a watch and a couple of... Does the Chief have to pay for it? 
Probably. Yeah. It's just a way to work. Yeah, I, I won third place in one of the quizzers. Uh, my lack of enterprise knowledge did me in, but I, uh, I got like, I know, right? Call yeah. phone a friend, phone a yeah. Uh But yeah, I got a signed uh, Starfleet Academy certificate from Jean-Luc Picard and Gene Roddenberry. Wow. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Jean-Luc Picard's really nice. Those aren't yeah. real signatures. What? Yeah, no what? Right. What? First I got one, one of those too. It's not hey, real. Hey, great to you. Star Trek's not real. Burn it. Uh, so <laughs> it's so real. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, one last thing, Chief. And, and because you guys are talking trivia, I'd be remiss... Remiss? remiss? What, is that, what does that mean? <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? When would you use that? Where would you use that? I loudly use it. What do you say? No, anyway, um, That's from the William Shatner podcast. My, my, you know, as soon as I landed <laughs> here, and, and uh, he's he's very dear to us, especially you know that chief, um, I wanted to say, Mr. Ataz, we miss you. We know that you are on a very special trip, but we totally wish that you could be right here right now because you, you for Standard Orbit, you are you are a trivia master and you're a part of, that, part of that soul of our show. So I just wanted to make a shout out to Mr. Ataz because he can't be here on this very special very special 50th anniversary. Yeah, I think that's connection. an excellent point. Thanks, Norm, for bringing that up because, you know, I, I know that um, it was very hard for you, Norm, to think that, that Jeff actually chose Megan over you and went to Hawaii. And, uh, <laughs> with my Shatner impersonation, yeah, I don't know he's why been, that He's been struggling hard. a lot, Jeff, with that. You yeah. know, that's the, those, are, those are the types of things that, that bug us. But seriously, yes, we did miss you. And, and in a self-indulgent moment, I didn't win a thing. But I think... I think I would have won the Academy Award for Best Actor playing Mr. Adventure during Bridge Maze. Yeah, oh yeah, you were fantastic. I didn't even need the piece of paper to do those lines, by the way. You guys finished your scene too, you and your daughter. We uh, finished my me scene. Me and Mike Schiller right. just just yeah, stopped I, 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 I was you know, I was coaching Beth afterwards that she she you know, she she's uh, twenty years old and if she really wants to make it as an actress, which she has no um, desire to be whatsoever, she's gonna really have to up her game because uh, her old man you know, I, they said I overplayed the scene. No way! Like, you brought that to the house down. I love. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna imitate the, the chief imitating Mr. Adventure. That's Admiral Kirk. My God! I was like, when you said that, my heart leapt out of my chest. I was like, yes, you nailed that scene. You nailed that scene. Have you seen Searching Three a few times? Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> And uh, so for anybody that uh, would like uh, autographs uh, signed Chief Adventure, I, I will take care Chief of it. Chief Adventure. Yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah, anyway, so we'll offer. I'm going to get a table next year. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, do it. Let's do it. Let's get a table and uh, we'll yeah. have some fun. We'll get thrown into the ancillary. Uh, so, so all of you that were here at the show, it was great to meet everyone. Uh, it's, it's been a blast. We look forward to, um, to carrying on our show and, and our more normal, more professional type of recordings. Yes, yes, yes. With better editing and so forth, probably because Zach's going to be a better editor than I am. But I'm going to watch him like a hawk because I'll have the same master feed. And if I don't like it, I'll just redo it. <laughs> He's going to be like Shatter Neem where you're going to count the minutes. Yeah. Right, that we... <laughs> and, and a big <laughs> shout out. a chess out. clock. Click, click. <laughs> and a big shout out to, uh, uh, to Christopher, mm-hmm. Brian, Jones. CBJ. CBJ, we wish you were out here. I, uh, For the record, we tried to get him out here, and uh, his schedule wouldn't allow. And, and hopefully um, one day he could come in and be a part of this. He, he has brought us all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a wonderful job putting this network together, and we've all become very good friends because of Chris. And without you, Chris, the glue that keeps this network together, where would we be? So, so thank you, sir, and hopefully some convention sometime. And I've promised you those air miles. All you have to tell me is when, and we'll get you back to the States. All right? That'd be awesome. So we've had a fantastic time talking about the 50th anniversary convention here in Las Vegas. But this isn't the only topic that we've been talking about here on Trek FM this past week. Here are a couple of other shows you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm. 
the ready room. Please sit down. Let me get my eel. <laughs> yeah, right. It just slapped. See, now that would have been awesome if he had just like slapped the eel in Archer's face. And then Archer, that entire meaningful scene at the end of the episode, the discussion between Archer and T'Pol, if he had had a giant eel stuck like, to that the would have been great. The, time. the orb. And what's so great, I think, about Star Trek Deep Space Nine is especially with Cisco, is you get to watch somebody slowly become a believer in a faith, and it, it it's shown as being reasonable. Literary treks. The big difference is uh, when you're doing nonfiction books, when we the way we do them, we do a lot of interviewing, and the interviewing requires a lot of transcribing tapes. And that's possibly the most miserable job one could ever run into. It's a real task. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So when we all get back home and we get back to our various social media feeds and we sort through our pictures and look through Twitter and Facebook, we can get everyone our contact information. But until then, we'd like to put that into the recording. So let's start working our way around the circle here. Zach, how can our listeners find you on social media and across the network. Well, you can find me at MoronZach on Twitter. Now, that is, you know, for more on Zach. That is, a, that is the initial idea. Oh, man, I thought Twitter. you were a moron. <laughs> <laughs> See, but you remember what my Twitter handle is. Uh, yeah, I realized that after I did that, uh, it sounds like, you know, why don't you just be idiot, Zach? But no, it's, it's, <laughs> more, it's, it's moron, Zach. It's at M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H on Twitter. Uh, and I'm also, I do another podcast uh, called Always Hold On to Smallville. We talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. And we're on Twitter at Always Smallville. What about you, Ken? Uh, yeah, well... I have come into the 21st century a-blazing. So I'm now on Twitter, and I've been tweeting Whoa! a lot. That's right. I'm so happy. I know. It's, it's, really, it's really nice, and it's, it, it's a name that makes sense. Vegas Hunk. It should have been. <laughs> Jed. No. I can change it, though. But please find me at Boston SCPO. That stands for Boston Senior Chief Petty Officer. And uh, you can find me on the Babel Conference. You can find me. At, you can email me now. Now we all have real important business cards because we're like uppity uppity. We do. So Ken Trip at Trek FM. Do I have an email too? Well, yeah, you do. But do. you weren't smart enough to remember. <sighs> that's why you're. Your that's email. why you're more on Zach. <laughs> <laughs> we've changed your email to stupid Zach at Trek FM. No, we've reprinted his cards to idiot Zach. <laughs> yeah. So please, you know, uh, and, and like we said before, if there's if there's things you want to, I now that we have the email, you can email us questions. We'd be happy to read those on the air, and uh, feel free to to IM or face me on Facebook. Uh, I love getting friends together and, and talking throughout this. So anyway, that's how you can find me, Brandon. Uh, you can find me here on the network with many episodes of our From There to Here rewatch. Uh, we are doing a rewatch for 366 days of this year, and I think I've already been on 422 episodes. <laughs> so there's been a lot of those. Uh, I also host Melodic Treks, which is the music podcast for our network. You can find me at brandon.mutella at trek.fm or on Twitter at Brandon Mutella. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of good, fun stuff, and I had a, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on the show, gentlemen. Oh, it's Thank great you to have you, you. And uh, don't forget uh, Zach's new show, uh, Moronic Tracks. <laughs> I thought it was Moron Tracks. No, Moronic Tracks. That Moron Tracks. That Moron Tracks. Pretty, it's pretty good. I'm going to copyright that. There you go. 
So before I get to my dads, we'll do a little shout out for Mr. Ataz. You can find Mr. Ataz on his account as Harlander on Twitter. You can also find him on his website, trekopedia.com, which has been called the Unified Grand Theory of Star Trek. So if you want to talk real serious trivia, you can either do it with Zach, you can do it with Brandon, not so much the Chief and myself, and also Mr. Ataz. And if you want to find me across the network, you can find me on Twitter at Starfighter1701. And then I'm always on the Babel Conference. I love engaging with the fans there. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this very extended, very guerrilla-style podcast. And we will get back to our regularly scheduled programs back on Trek FM. Thank you for listening to Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.